Hello and welcome to The Second Unit, the film podcast where we talk about a film that one of us knows intimately and one of us has only usually seen within the last 24 hours and that film today is Raw, which I showed to Megan, the uh, 20, what is it, 2017 French horror 16, yeah. film. 16, what did you think? <laughs> that was a lot. It, it is a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I can't wait to unpack it with you. I, I liked it. I did. But I found did it difficult to watch because I don't like gore. And you come yeah. in there saying, oh, it's not, it's not that... Well, it is that gory, isn't it? You're... I said, You said, you text me and say, <laughs> is it gory? I said, yes, but it's manageable. I... What would you say of that assessment? I, I would say that assessment is grossy missold. <laughs> Which bit was not manageable? So, What's the least manageable scene? Um the brain bit. The brain bit. Well with the with the car crash. Yeah, oh, oh, it's like you can hear the slurping and you see her like <laughs> cracking out bits of like brain from this guy that's still breathing and it's just minging. Just like that. It's like spaghetti. It's Lady in a Tramp, but a well, skull in one person. Yeah, nice. What? Okay, that's just eating. <laughs> she so was just eating. Eating anything. Okay. Um, raw. Uh, first of all, the little link that I'd like to do to the previous podcast. Oh, it's been a yeah. while because I got a new job. Hey, but it just means that we haven't quite sussed out the 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 when we record these and I have a day off but I think the last one we did was still Lawrence of Arabia wasn't it which was yeah a few weeks ago at this point and um it's yet another descent into madness but I'd say this one is potentially more wholesome <laughs> we'll get we'll get to why I yeah. think that but I'd say this is there are maybe not what she does is wholesome because it ain't but I'd say the reasons behind it and the metaphors that are explored in this film are overall vaguely positive things anyway plot synopsis the film opens with a long stretch of empty road lined with trees and there's just one little person walking up this road reverse shot and a car is approaching down the road. Reverse again. The person's gone. Just as the car passes where they were, they run out from behind one of those trees in front of the car. The car swerves and crashes into one of these trees. The person gets up, unscathed, walks towards the car. Title card. Roar. Mystery. Uh, Justine starts... <laughs> Justine starts her first semester at veterinary school, where her sister, Alexia, has been attending for at least a year more than her. Her family are all veterinarians, not veterinarians, well, I think they are, but that word that I meant to read was vegetarians. Um, and when she gets to her dorm, she's sharing with a boy called Adrian. The year starts with her hazing rituals, and they're the new meat, so Justine and Adrian are forced out of their rooms to go to a party. The next day, when they're taking their class picture, they're all covered in blood, as it, you know, in some sort of like massive, like, carry reference overdrive mode. Um, she has to 
eat a raw rabbit's kidney and Justin refuses saying uh, me and all my family are vegetarians you can ask my sister her sister comes over and says I'm not a vegetarian I ate the kidney you will too so she does and she's not very happy about it she later discovers she's covered in a horrible rash that the doctor says is food poisoning this is the start of her meat craving where she tries to steal a burger from the cafeteria then goes with Adrian to get one properly from like a CD gas station um, and then she's eating raw chicken out of the fridge at midnight um, and a little later on while attempting a bikini wax with her sister Justin kicks some scissors out of her sister's hand which cuts off one of her sister's fingers and Alexia passes out and Justin finds a finger and eats the finger yikes the next morning Alexia takes her to the road and jumps in front of a car doing what we saw at the start of the film and <laughs> eating some of the exposed brains of the crash victim there we go there's your context um Justine's not quite into that lifestyle yet, but then she does uh, bite part of someone's lip off that she's making out with at a party. Uh, she leaves the party and then goes to have sex with her roommate, Adrian, um, trying to bite him all the while. And Adrian's like batting her off like, stop biting me, stop biting me. And so she said she bites down on her own arm as she climaxes and she just she starts bleeding and it's pretty weird. Uh, Justine gets super drunk at a party, uh, a lot of partying in this film, super drunk, um, and she sees a video the next morning of her sister teasing her in the university's morgue with a cadaver as uh, she's like basically paralytic on the floor just trying to like jump up and bite it. Um, they fight, they bite, they make up. Justine wakes up in bed with Adrian, but he's dead with a big chunk out of his leg and a, and a ski pole puncture wound in his back. Um, and she sees Alexia on the floor, blood all around her mouth in some sort of human meat high. Alexia goes to prison for killing Adrian, and the film ends with Justine's dad unbuttoning his shirt and showing her that he's covered in all these scars that their mother had been taking bites out of him over their whole relationship and he says we figured it out i'm sure you will too <laughs> yeah amazing isn't it uh <laughs> yeah it was good it was good i um not for me but i i liked it you. it was arty i wouldn't watch it again ever um <laughs> <clears throat> but i'm glad i watched it so that's yeah that <laughs> Look, I found some of it a little bit cringy, and here's why. Oh, yeah. The hazing stuff. Hmm. The vets. No one yeah. looks at the career of a vet and thinks, Huckle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that they went the through career. some shit at uni. It's, it's cool. <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to get me go. But people look at the career of vets and think, Oh, animals. Nice. Friendly. Maybe this is true to, to a vet's experience. I don't really know. No, but you're I, right. I don't, I don't look exists. to vets and think, oh, man, they must have gone through some shit at uni. Yeah, right, that's my point. Like, I get hazing is a massive problem right now, especially in America. Loads of people have started to die, haven't they? Um, but, mm. like, vets? I just yeah, kept thinking, well, like, no. Maybe it's not vets. Maybe it's just the French. Maybe they're Could all be. just turning up to 11 every night. Mm, because I was like, all of my vets, I don't think... 
all of your vets? How many vets do you have? I've had quite a few for my cat. All of them. I think, right. But they participate in that, and now I'm thinking about them. And I'm like, do I want to well, give my cat next, to these people? Next time Jess eats a poisonous plant, you say, by the way, how was the, how was the hazing at vet school? <laughs> just a little bit of hazing. Mm. Well, you see, where she goes is like, it's just vets. Yeah. Right? But I feel like if you train to be a vet here, you go to uni where, you know, there's lots of other courses going on and you take vet 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 studies, right? Is that how that works? Or I don't actually know. Yeah. Or are there specific vet schools? You know who would be good to ask about this? A vet. <laughs> Greg. He did vet stuff. Oh, yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah. But he gave up. <laughs> Oh, Weird, no. probably because of the hazing. <laughs> he, he found the craving for human too much. Yeah, can he do it? I just, it was like a little bit like, yeah. I was like, it's not that deep, bro. It's, it's not mm. that deep. You're there. You're saving animals. It's like, it's a good job. It's, it pays well. It's, you know. Mm, I think it, 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 it sort of more links into the whole theme of the film, which is which is leaving your sheltered life with your family and finding yourself, and part of that is partying way too hard, part of that is fucking a lot of people, and in this case, it's eating people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of hazing... Terrible. I would, I would, like, I guess, what's the point of hazing? I guess it's to weed out the weak? Is that that the idea? Like, yeah, and it's stupid. It's a stupid idea because that's not how real life works. (laughs) Real life does not work the way you think it does when you're in, like, student dorms, you know? Maybe, maybe there is, but as far as I can see, there's not, (laughs) in the Venn diagram of everything you need to be here's one circle everything you need to be to be a good vet and the other circle is uh how good you are at having blood dumped on you eating raw rabbits kidneys how good you are at uh retrieving all your clothes after they've been thrown out your bedroom window everything they went through i don't think to me those are very separate things it's not like you have to be you if you're not good at one you won't be good at the other yeah it's just an excuse for bullying it's stupid it's what it feels like I mean I know yeah. it's fiction but it's just oh, it's just like when I first was at uni I had a great time at uni but my first month at uni was not a great time at uni and I and, and everyone was really nice to me you know there was it was just that I was I was homesick pretty lonely hazing it wasn't wasn't but imagine if hazing was put on top of that I would have left immediately yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think this is if, the problem. If my first night in my in my in my room, and I was like, "Oh, I don't really know if this is what I want to do in my life," and someone just kicked in the door and said, "New meat, you coming to Club Chem?" I'd have cried. <laughs> I'd have cried. <laughs> Sounds awful. I um, I think I think the problem is I'm I came into this film with a very distinct image of what vets are in my head, and vets are people who <laughs> like animals who are ah, nice. This film's about vets. Yeah. And like, obviously, not all vets are nice. That's not like no, no one of anything is like always nice. But 
Yeah. Yeah. They're like. But it is just the, the what you have in your head, isn't it? Yeah. You think. Oh. If someone devotes their lives there. to helping animals, then they've got to have a certain streak of selflessness running through them. Yeah, but you know, Hitler liked animals, and look where that went. You know. <laughs> the opening to the film. Let's start. Let's start the opening with the with the the cold open, which I guess. This is a cold open. I think a cold open is just like a little bit of drama seemingly at the start of the film separate from the rest mm. and then we don't quite get the context for it until later. So the cold open in this film I think is one of if not the best cold open I've ever seen. So it's what I described at the start where you got this person walking down the road, you see a car, you cut back, the person's gone, they dive in front of the car the car crashes, someone walks up to it. You, you, it's, it's, it just fills you with questions. Um, and that's what a cold open should do. It should pique your interest, shouldn't it? It's, it's, it's yeah. a hook. It's the first thing you see in the film. You watch it and you think, my God, I wonder what that's about. I'm going to keep watching. It's, it's just storytelling 101. It's not even storytelling. It's, it's, if you're ever you know, presenting anything to, to people, whether it's an actual presentation like a PowerPoint or a film or a book or a novel or a poem from that first bit, you want to bang, you know, mm. get their attention. Never judge a book by its cover. Well, maybe you should because that's the point. It's That's what the cover does. This is the cover of the film. It's that scene, okay? I, and um, I think why... Go on. Well, I... So usually when we watch a film, I will have a little look around that film because I either mm -hmm. already know, like, Misery, I already knew the book, I knew the premise of it, I hadn't seen the film. Uh, yeah. That's the case with most of these films, you know, that you've shown. I haven't actually watched them, but I know the premise. But with this one, I was like, if I read into this, I'm going to regret it because it's not really mm. my thing. I'm not really good with it. Because you, you just didn't so, know anything. Yeah, I didn't know anything, so I thought that bit was really Had good. Had you even heard of it? Huh? Had you even heard of it? No. So the whole the, right, the vegan the best way to watch a film, really, isn't it? Was a mm. um, complete like twist for me. Uh, mm. No idea where that film was going. I didn't even really know there was cannibals until you briefly mentioned it last time when you said about the film, and I like completely forgot you said that. So I was like, mm. oh, and you're like, oh yeah, she's eating things. Cannibals. I was like, <laughs> she started eating that um, rabbit kidneys, and I was like, oh, I. I think I've seen this story before. Uh, yeah. People are going to get eat, you know, but... People going to yeah. get eat. So the cold opening was really good. I liked the cold opening. Mm, because, so, this is why I think it's good. Because you think about other cold opens. Mm. The other two that, that jump to my mind, there's definitely more, I'm sure there's loads more, but the two that, that jump to my mind, start a fight club. Okay, yeah. fight club starts at the end. You see that little bit with... You know, Brad Pitt putting the guy in Ed Norton's mouth. And uh, Mission Impossible 3, have you seen that? Yeah. And it starts with the whole, oh, I put a, I put a, a bomb up your wife's, uh, in your wife's brain, you tell me where the rabbit's foot is, and he starts counting down. It's all, it's all very, it's very tense. And they work, you know. It's mm. like, oh, wow, I wonder what they did to get here. But it always just feels a bit cheap, yeah. doesn't it? That they're sort of, they're not starting their film at the start because what do they know that their start's too boring mm. so they're like ah let's just put in an exciting bit and then people will ha will get through the boring bit at the start because it's 
because you've hooked them. At that you've point, given it just them the feels like of something bigger. Yeah, yeah. It, with Fight Club, it, it works maybe a bit more because it's all about him telling the story from that perspective, and it's almost like you know a record scratch. <laughs> That's me. I bet you're wondering how I got here. That's basically what happens at the start of Fight Club. But what's so good about this is it does the exact same thing. It's such a hook, and you do sort of get back to it, but it's not. You don't get back to that exact scene because what you see is narratively and chronologically the first thing that takes place in the film. They're not taking a, a chunk out from, you know, the start of Act 3. No, they're, they're what you're seeing is taking place first. Because mm. it's, it's her sister at uni before she's arrived to uni. It's, it's the first thing that happens in the chronology. So it's... It's great, and it's and without being a spoiler, because essentially those Fight Club and Mission Impossible Three, they're essentially spoilers, right? But you know, well-crafted spoilers to get you hooked. But this isn't that. It just raises more questions, and I think it's very clever. Yeah, and like it's the sort of thing you watch as a as a as a you know budding writer, and you think, oh man, if only I was that clever. <laughs> I think that it works well as well because, I mean, it left a big old question mark, especially mm. to looking at it from fresh eyes. I was like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> what, what have I agreed to watch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah. But, so, I'm a cannibal, right? Jumping in front of cars to purposely cause crashes so that people die and I can eat them. Yeah. But, like, so a cop will eventually shut up and be like, hey, I don't know about you, but this this guy has bite marks in his arms. I, I feel like this is a little bit more of a crash. But, like, yeah. it's, it's just not so a viable you... hobby, is it, eating people? No. <laughs> and, like, apparently, I this is from, um, like, one of those stories that you used to hear go around, but if you eat people, you can get a certain type of coleslaw, and the bacteria is caused by like raw people mm. so like yeah, if you do eat people essentially... it will make you very ill and it yeah. will easily be seen on people yeah because like eating your own kind is is biologically the opposite of i mean essentially at a scientific level the meaning of life the meaning of life is to create more life all from a from a purely survival of the human race, all men are walking penises and all women are walking baby machines. As soon as you start eating ourselves and cutting down the numbers, the, the, the human body needs some sort of defence mechanism to stop that happening. Like the Neanderthals. Mm. They, they That's what themselves. mad cow disease was, wasn't it, as well? They so. ate us, huh? We started eating. We started feeding cows cow, and then the cows went mad. Did we? I think that's how mad cow disease came about. So we started putting cow meat in their in their feed. Why would we do that? That's so it's dumb. Cheap. <laughs> Ground up little bits of protein. We didn't care what it was. Uh oh, cows can't eat cow. Cows go mad. Like chickens when they eat chicken. Like anything when they eat anything, I think that's just... It's hardwired into a lot of species that as soon as you start eating your own kind, you're, you just... Your body's like, nope, not allowed. Yeah. 
I like that. I like that we stop ourselves from eating each other. Imagine if yeah, it's, there it's was a bit like, comforting, isn't it? Yeah, if there was a free for all, I think I would just die quite easily. Like, or what if everyone just started trying to eat each other? Yeah, like, what's the difference between a zombie up. and a cannibal? Because more recent zombie films are like less about people being dead, more about people being infected with like madness. Aren't they? Mm, like uh, 28 days later, it's like a rage virus, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a virus. So, like, what's I the difference between think, that and the cannibal? Are they trying to eat each other in 28 days later? I don't I think they are, are they? I don't know. I don't know, but whatever it is. There's slightly different concepts on the on the whole thing. I do, I do really find it interesting, the concept of, you know, like, the hunger. Once you start, you can't... Once you pop, you can't stop. <laughs> Human meat. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> no, like, I think in some species that's, like, an actual thing. Like, mountain lions, for example, if they eat a person, they'll get a taste for a person, so they usually have to mm. be hunted down because they'll just keep eating people. Yum yum. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's absurd. Whether it's, like, exclusive to our species or not, I have no idea, but I'm not one to try. Mm. I'm a law abiding citizen. It just makes you think, do we... Do we actually taste that good? Ooh, that's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? Is and human do, do meat people have different flavors? The best meat. Oh yeah. Well, isn't there something like if if your your cow or your chicken is happy, then it just is a bit more juicy and and tender. Otherwise, the meat's all stringy. Yeah, like wagyu. Like who's very who's who's very stressed out? Okay, so Obama. Uh, at the start of his presidency, I think would have tasted far better than Obama eight years later. Because you, you see a picture of, of the man eight years apart, and he looks like he's aged about 50 years. Yeah. It just, just it ruined him. And I feel like, like... He's still a great guy, but haggard. There are, like... There are probably some people that you, sh- you, you wouldn't want to eat. Hmm. Because of what they put in themselves like the people who like in like drink what is it they they put like a little bit of bleach in with everything what is yeah that isn't that people that is that is that is that what homeo homeopaths do i'll have to fact check and if i'm wrong cut this bit out but like they just dilute chemicals to the point where you can actually quote unquote safely drink them and why would you do that believe that that's what do you gain from that I think they think it helps and honestly if you think it helps then it probably helps the placebo effect <laughs> yeah but it's probably doing more damage than it does good it's like that TLC show well, where it's like oh I call TLC my strange because addiction. I'm yeah I'm addicted to eating couch sponge <laughs> like what level <laughs> of like just yeah. bad genetics gets you to the point where you think eating sponge is a good idea hmm yeah well cravings you know it's what the film's about yeah and the, if the... I don't eat sponge I'll die I jump in front of sponge lorries and then make <laughs> them crash and I get in the back and just chow down <laughs> I can't resist the sponge anymore I've got to find the nearest sofa. Um, I think it's it's interesting that you sort of brought up the 
like validity of the method of eating people like surely there's better ways to do it than jumping in front of cars but i think that's what is if you sort of think about it it's it's as if alexia knows eating people is wrong you know she knows it's it's this is not an okay thing to do i'm i'm a monster i I can't help it i love it i love eating people so the method of, of jumping out in front of cars to cause crashes there's a very high chance that the guy is not going to swerve and you are going to die and i i feel like that's almost intentional it's like every time she wants to eat she puts her own life up to gamble like if i if i die i die and then mm. i'm no longer eating people and this monster myself has been taken out of the equation but if they swerve then i get to eat it's almost like she's she's letting the driver decide like just making them forcing the driver to make a split second trolley problem which the answer is do I get to eat or do I not get to eat I quite like that it's sort of it's like justifying eating people morally like it, it isn't but it's a step towards that yeah it reminds, it reminds me a little bit of you know No Country for Old Men with the coin mm. he flips the coin and he's like you live you die yeah you know every every time she wants to eat it's like well I want to eat this might be I might not I might I might get hit by a car I might not yeah Justine's sister Alexia it's like <clears throat> this social butterfly who's like pretty much out for anything isn't she She she's not mm. like yes there's this inner I'm a monster thing but that's not really because she doesn't try and stop herself and if anything she encourages her J- Julie Juliana to like do it and um yeah I didn't like her character because of that because like you can see from the beginning when our main girl goes to uni and whatnot she's quite vulnerable she's not all there anyway she doesn't look healthy her hair's always greasy you know like i was thinking that about the film i was like this girl needs a shower and not in a mean way but like she's clearly you know that's number one sign of you're not feeling well is not that that lack of upkeep in your body and whatnot and alexia's just like yeah totally takes advantage of this there's already the pre like pre uh or i guess the hinting towards like the the family not being all right anyway because they're so yeah pandering towards the the, the younger one going to college and whatnot and sure. like yeah they're like you know you need a sister you're not gonna be okay i doubt there was any of that with alexia because she's so confident in what she does so yeah i feel bad but then i also feel like the mum's a bit of a dick because if i was a cannibal and i had these cravings and there's this implication that it comes from the mother's side and it's genetic and inherited yeah. and like it's such a curse and whatnot and the mum tries to do things why would you have kids <laughs> well i why? guess i guess maybe until alexia gets done for eating people is in prison maybe the parents just didn't know that their kids would grow up to eat people. I'm not sure they knew. No? What, what, on, on some level, surely they did, because otherwise they wouldn't have made them and also, vegetarians. He they're says... Trying to, they're trying to... 
he stop says them from that doing he's, that. Right? When he first met, he was like, I didn't understand why your mum didn't want to date me. So, like, she's known for a yeah. long time, right? I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have an assumption there that it's genetic because it sounds like a familial thing. You mm. know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it begs the question, is this, is, is Justine and Alexia the second generation of cannibals or is this hundreds of generations of cannibals? Exactly. Hmm. It's tricky. But yeah, I think that's that's sort of the... It, it's... I'd say... It's one reading, but what I get out of this film mostly is that the whole cannibalism, vegetarian thing is a metaphor for sort of sexual repression and sexual liberation. Yeah. I'd say. Because it's absolutely linked to sex in like... Because when... when Justine gets it in her head like, oh man, I want to eat my flatmate. The look she's giving him while like he's playing football is that the look is like, it's absolute like fuck me eyes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's that that is a look that ninety nine percent of the time you see on screen is this person wants to bone, not this person wants to eat. <laughs> yeah. And and. Yeah, that's why I like this then film. And they do have sex, and when that. they have sex, she gets all bitey. So it's 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 absolutely linked. And then, so if if eating people is sexual liberation, then being a vegetarian is you know it's sort of a parallel to uh, a strict Christian being raised, you know, fundamentalist uh, Catholic, and then going off to uni and having lots of sex and doing lots of drugs and going crazy because. I think that's the point of the film, that the repression isn't healthy. You say how their parents are in the wrong because they knew what was happening. There's, I think, absolutely an element of that. I think them making their kids vegetarian only made the issue worse because as soon as they were let loose, they went on a big meat rampage. Yeah. It's the same as completely sheltering your kids and then being like, okay, off into the big bad world. It's not good. No. And it's just, like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Like, you see these elements of repression, like, it's gross when she's getting the bikini wax and the dog comes in between her legs. It's like, Ew. yeah. It's gross, man. Yeah, and that, it's, it's, and again, it's sort of, so if that is what's at play, then it's also a story about going from a girl to a woman. It's about you know, growing up, and I think that that is something that's actually seen as a metamorphosis. Her body goes through actual changes, you yeah. know, not just not just changes in lifestyle, but her body changes, and like she starts getting nosebleed, like it's some sort of like second period. You know, it's it, she's becoming what she was destined to be. I thought, yeah, this. I was watching this, and I was like, this is a hundred percent. A Fred film. I think it's my brother's favourite film of all time. I could see that. It is, like, me saying it's not for me doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just, like, if there wasn't the the quite extremes of gore, because, like, even thinking about it makes me get that little lump in my throat where I'm feeling a bit sick, mm. especially the brain bit. If there wasn't that... <laughs> then I probably would absolutely love this. It's like it gives me major like slow burn A twenty four vibes, you know. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, like Midsummer or something. Same kind of things with that, you know, sexual repression of young women and the challenges going through changes in life. Um, and it's a really interesting way to frame it through this cannibalistic craving sort of things, because I guess that's what mm. lust is, right? Lust is a craving. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I thought that was really cool. It's just I could not do the gore. So I could see that. It's just, nah. Like, I can't even watch zombie films, though. Like, I'm, I'm really bad. I thought, I thought for sure the gore would put you off completely, but I'm happy that you were able to appreciate it despite that. Yeah, like, I think people are too quick, just because it has an element of something that they don't like, people are too quick to say it's bad. It's not bad, it's just not to your taste. That doesn't make it mm. ultimately bad, like... Um, I don't really like historical epics either. I find historical epics really long and boring. But when I watched The Last Samurai with Nat, I was like, I mm. can appreciate it. It's a good film. Mm. Or Lawrence of Arabia. Or Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. I I struggled at times. I waved in and out, but it brought me back. <laughs> Would I jump to watch it again? No. But am I glad I watched it? Yeah, yeah it, because it, it was a good years. film. Just, mm. you know, I think... That's all it is, isn't it? You you can like something and not like it at the same time, or I guess you can appreciate something. Yeah, and and the opposite often you can enjoy something and absolutely know in your heart this is shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is often way more fun. <laughs> oh, for sure. Than watching something that you know you're like, ah, this is good. Why don't I like it? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I was feeling. Cause I was like, this is this like is every I, I like you know the slow burn horrors but mm. I just could not like even the the scene the like dog being autopsied and stuff was a bit much yeah and like the, the horse being thrown upside down <sighs> like nothing happens mm. to the horse but I just didn't like it in in terms of of gore um mm. I take this with a pinch of salt but apparently when it first screened at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival in 2016 uh, people fainted so apparently that still happens because you hear about people fainting you know when that train pulls into the station for the what it, the Lumiere brothers and people fainting at Psycho and apparently it still happens in 2016 people fainting That's just being at, dramatic at isn't it really let's be honest yeah I find it a little hard to believe but, but here's why I say take it with a pinch of salt because I did a bit of digging. I was like, is that real? Did that really happen? The only source I could find for it was a quote from uh, a guy called Ryan Werner who was in charge of the film's marketing, so he would say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you want to market your film, your new crazy horror film, as, oh my God, people fainted. Yeah. People literally cannot handle this film because you hear that and you think, ah, oh, I ain't going to see this film. Yeah. Uh. I thought that the, the 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 practical effects were really good as well because like I was quite good yeah. usually with with gore and things like this. The first thing I do is close my eyes. I don't like it, uh, but I, I I held those puppies open and I watched. <laughs> and like the, when she's holding the finger and you see the the blood clot on her oh, yeah. hand, it's so well done. It properly looks like blood. It's absolutely and, and the way minging. the way she manages to tear you know the meat off the finger oh, bone, yeah. it just comes off exactly as you'd expect, like a chicken wing. Uh, yeah, but oh. like oh, it's just so good. It look like that. I think that's the most close up bit of 
of of gore that could have been shit. You know, slurping up people's brains out of cars. I feel like that's so removed from what people know of their own biology that you could have made that look a few ways and people are like, yeah, that's, that's sure, that's brains, but a finger, you know, there's very little going on under there to imagine, isn't there? It's just that you know you know basically what a finger's going to look like when it's cut off and it looks exactly like you think it would and the way it was eaten. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I feel really sick. <laughs> It was like, it's coming off like a chicken wing. And then... Yeah. Oh. And then you said about the brains, and it was two in one, and then my eyes are watering. Two in one. Because... What about, what about the, what I'd say is the most gross film uh, scene, um, where she's pulling the hair out of her mouth. Oh. How did you get on with that? I'm flapping. <laughs> I'm flapping. I'm actually she's flapping. flapping. <laughs> It's so gross. There are isn't tears it? in my eyes right now. There are tears. So, uh, she she's sort of chewing her hair for one scene, and then it hard cuts to her like throwing up, but not. Th- she basically she coughs up a hairball, and oh, mm. yowza! It's gross, isn't it? It's I think uh, the the finger scene, not focusing on the gore of it but I think it's an amazing soundtrack and I think the finger scene is got the best bit of soundtrack to it because when she's sitting there just like she's got the finger and she's sort of looking at it and it's oh finger and it's like this quite innocent plinky plunky bing bong bing music and then as soon as she (laughs) takes a bite of it it goes (gasps) I think that's it follows but like it goes from like innocent plinky plonky to as soon as she takes that bite the first time she consumes human flesh to just like the soundtrack just tells you all you need to know she has crossed a boundary that she can never return from yeah and like I think the the music throughout the film is really well paired with the emotions of characters yeah I just think they go hand in hand really well like you know around Alexa there's always slightly erratic sort of like there's either dance music or there's like this beat or it's absolutely silence when she's angry whereas Mm. with um, the younger one it's always slightly more like playful isn't it more more sporadic as opposed to you know until she takes that hunk yeah and then she starts to like her music starts to resemble Alexa's but yeah, really there is another that. bit which which I thought you were going to mention when you said about it being cringy, where she's in front of the mirror listening to that sort of pretty like hard like oh, girl punk. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the lyrics, but the lyrics are there in the subtitles, and it's like okay, steady on. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of kissing the the mirror and listening to this rap yeah. music, and the rap music I was like, no, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I get it. I get. I get what you're doing. It's. It's. You're saying, she's a wild animal now. It's. That's. That's she's... how I find. Like when. When I see those bits with like girls putting on makeup and listening to rap and doing that. That's how I imagine like forty year old men write young women. That's how. <laughs> it's you a know, little that, isn't it? Yeah. It's exactly that. It's like. Yeah. The most shallow thing that they could think of, and like the most. <laughs> 
like teenage thing they could think of and they just think you know what this is fucking brilliant smash these two together <laughs> call myself a story you know I hate to say it but I fucking knocked this one out of the park it is and it's the same trope every time so yeah that bit was a bit cringy you know mm. I, I <laughs> think I think on the whole they did knock it out of the park but yeah that for me that one scene is where I'm like okay yeah okay I, I get it it was to be honest within the rest of the film it was a nice refresher of something that is normal in the writing world yeah. as opposed to ah this is typically shit <laughs> as opposed to the rest of this film which is unnaturally frightening yeah it's like oh okay a little bit of norm normacy here and yeah, straight back absolutely. into it she starts smearing the lipstick around her face and I'm like okay <laughs> I think um, there's also uh, a fair bit of animal sort of symbolism going on, which I guess um, goes hand in hand with the whole sexual liberation message. Because, I mean, what is repression if not putting up stupid brick walls that separate us from the animal world, you know? Which, yeah. sure, you need to wear your trousers. That separates us from animals, but we can bang. And we like, can do that like animals do. I think the the choices of animals that are shown are really important. Yes. Because, like, obviously, rabbits symbolise lust, they symbolise fertility, you know, sex, and then you've got dogs, which symbolise pack, and there's very much this pack mentality in regards to the um hazing, like her and her sister. you know and oh, like, sure sure you know horses as well they they're like symbolic to like perseverance and power and there's this real uh, big power struggle within this hazing situation where it's the seniors and the juniors and the juniors can't even look at the seniors they have to keep their eyes on the floor the whole mm. time you know so there is this power inequality and then there's obviously cows which is cattle symbolism which is what the juniors are and ultimately there's yeah. quite a lot like there's a couple of bits of feminist discourse in there as well when she's talking about the monkeys being raped and whatnot um yeah 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 that. uh the monkeys being raped and she's like i imagine they would feel the same way a woman would um and like yeah you know that whole cattle mentality and the, the women kind of, you know, the men just get to go on, but the women have to dress up and, like, wear mm. sexy clothes as part of, like, a uniform for the hazing. So, <laughs> which is quite, you know, cattle-like in itself, you know. So, yeah, I think it was really smart with its animal pics as well, because it's mm. very, like, there's a bit of spiritualness there as well as, uh, like, this nice little literature kind of vibe. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting as well how you're right. There's absolutely uh, like that sort of pack mentality going on with the, this, you know the whole group of students. But uh, especially with that bit where she's talking about you know monkeys can be raped. It, no one else on her table agrees with her. So it, it's it's I think very often the film is putting her on a level of animalism that no one else around her is on. And if, if you know, being a cannibal does generally 
I'd hope, set you apart from the others around you. Um, yeah, it's quite an animalistic thing to do, isn't it? Eat your own kind. It, it's not something we do. So when she says, yes, a monkey can be raped, and just the same as a woman can be raped, she's sort of, she's sort of putting herself on that animal level. She's saying, yes, we're all the same as animals, and everyone around her is going, no, you're, you're, you're talking nonsense. And Yeah, I also don't think it can work the other way around, because when she's talking about the monkey and whatnot, she's kind of like the only one who's empathetic there. He's like yeah. showing any emotion towards that discourse, which is a heavy topic, you know. Um, yeah. And they're all just so nonchalant about it and like so mm. unemotional that it is almost again animalistic. There's that level or that separation of us and animals, which is consciousness. And in in this yeah. space, it's like she's got that consciousness, and they're like, you know, whatever. That's just life. Does it count? They mm. don't care. You know, there's that real yeah. lack of empathy, which is reminiscent of you know early man days mm, yeah yeah um and of course the you, you, you mentioned the the horse that there's, there's a couple of times where it shows her and then just cuts to some animal which is you know a little on the nose <laughs> yeah apart from when you just don't understand the symbolism like oh, i see you're comparing it to that horse uh how and it is it's not super accessible which i think makes it arty but i don't know if that makes it good i don't know it's weird but my sort of understanding that is you know a horse like you said it's power it's sort of it's freedom as well you the horse free yeah. horses or wild horses the horse we see is running on a treadmill like in like some sort of harness so and it's so it's saying she is she's stuck in place she's not free she hasn't quite found her identity yet um like a there's fucked a, up there's a moment. hierarchy of needs in it mm. but her needs instead of like shelter is human mm. meat <laughs> human meat <laughs> <laughs> um after her first night at this rave the camera pans over to this hanged uh like toy lamb so you know lamb is innocence the lamb's hanged her innocence is dead it's gone there's sort of no turning back her coughing up the hairball like we said is is it's a cat that's exactly what a cat would do yeah um the way the way they make the cars crash is like that's exactly the only time you'd swerve like that is to avoid like a deer that's run out in the road they're definitely a hundred percent putting themselves on the animal level with that method of kill which is probably, you know, you, you talk about the police coming to the scene, there's bite marks and whatnot. They, I feel like if she's, if she's slurping up brains, maybe that's her trying to be clever about it and not cause fresh, fresh injuries. So it's sort of the, the car crash is doing the biting for her. And I'm sure the cops got to the scene and thought, ah, they probably swerved out the way of a deer. Cause I think that's sort of what they're trying to do. Um, uh, the scene where she's she's uh, watching her her flatmate, where she's got the the fuck me eyes and her she's got her nose bleeding. It then it then cuts to um, one bit of the film. It cuts to something which is weirdly sort of supernatural, um, which I don't know if it's meant to be taken literally or if what we're seeing is purely just symbolism with no 
grounded nature in the narrative, but it cuts to that. That's where you talk about the dead dog. And it, mm. it's got like a sheet over it, and the sheet just gets pulled off by, I don't know what, nothing? A ghost? Yeah, I I was I was struggling with that. I was like, yeah, that's hardy, but what, what does it mean? Like, <laughs> but what does it mean? I, to me, it meant sort of what we just saw her doing, you know, nosebleed, giving her whole sort of, I'm going to eat you vibes. And then we see this dead dog with the sheet pulled off. It's showing that's her true nature. It's not hidden anymore. Her nature is morbid and mangled like this. Dead dog. Yeah, I just felt like it was a little bit out of place because they they do pretty well to explain everything else, like the way that Alexia kills and stuff. And yeah, but that one scene is a bit is a bit is a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit odd. I quite like that though. I quite like it, but Mm. it's it's definitely. I like it. I just don't feel like it fits. Yeah. But then, yeah. Because like, it is quite cool imagery, and the way the sheet's pulled off is really, like, dramatic. You see, like, the, the blood mm. smear on top of it as well. Spooky, isn't And, like, it's like, um, you know, the old Fuseli paintings and stuff, that white, virginial colour, like, mixed with blood and just ripped off, you know? I've only got sort of a few minor little bits left maybe the most meaty um pun potentially intended um is there's a lot of shots of her like in her pants showing her ass off um yeah and i don't think she's being sexualized by those shots because sure she's got her ass out a lot she's in her underwear but i don't think like you said she's got a greasy hair i don't think she's sexy in this film no and I, I didn't, I couldn't quite, at least not overly sexualize. She has a lot of sex, well, not a lot, a lot of sex. She, she. Well, I think, I think it's, that's the point of the film. But again, quite animalistic, isn't it? It's like her, her skin. Mm. But like most of the time, you see her ass. She's like, absolutely like on all fours, like cowering under the sheets, yeah. or like she's lying down, scratching herself. Well, she's got like, like a, a great dog. big, yeah, great big rash on it. Just yeah, yeah. It's not like. Sexy bun. Whereas no, I think when you see Alexia, you see Alexia like be more open with her sexuality. But mm. yeah. and Adrian, Adrian's oh yeah, Adrian shot like an absolute piece of meat. But that's the point. <laughs> yeah, he's sex meat and eat meat. Also, Alexia's a um, bad sister because she killed her sister's link. Yeah, yeah, that could have been. She had a whole to... university to choose from. <laughs> yeah, I like I like um sort of Chekhov's ski pole. So oh, yeah. when uh when the the first night they're there when these the hazers are like, You gotta come to this party and they're sort of like trying to kick in the door, Adrian like grabs the ski pole as the weapon and um it's the ski pole that Alexia kills Adrian with at the end, so it's an interest it's a it's a fun little bit of reincorporation. A callback, one might say. A callback, yes. Pulp Fiction does the same thing. Yes. It's the beginning. Uh, it's such a established trope. Yeah. I think I think it's done most interestingly in a film called Funny Games. Have you heard about Funny Games? No. There's a bit at the start where they're on like I think they're on a boat, and someone like accidentally knocks a uh, little pocket knife 
like down behind a seat and it's like got a close-up so it's some so you see that and as a as an experienced film viewer you immediately know ah that's going to come back at some point like that's just cinematic language isn't it you see a close-up yeah. of something happening you're like i was shown this for a reason it'll come back much later in the film they're on that same boat like tied up and you think ah they're gonna they're gonna find that pocket knife and cut themselves free and they do find the pocket knife and then the people that tie them up just immediately take it off and go what did you think you're gonna tie yourself up it's not a fucking film <laughs> it's it's I like that. it's just a big fuck you to the audiences but yeah Chekhovsky poll it's like um, Hitchcock when he puts uh, when Marion in Psycho puts the money in the newspaper and it holds on the money in the newspaper and then mm. the money in the newspaper's like gone forever <laughs> you yeah, think it's gonna be I like, like that. a thing but it's just not <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna blow this thing wide open oh it's in a swamp <laughs> yeah oh it had no oh, relevance it was just a MacGuffin yeah MacGuffin cause that's the whole sort of like they're trying to work out the money motive to her murder but the twist is there was no money motive just, just a perv madness just a weird perv <laughs> um I like that if you're paying attention in this film which I wasn't and I tell me if you were I tried as much as I can but I am squeamish so I like I like that um you can kind of figure out the twist ending which is their mum has been is also a cannibal and been nibbling away at their dad for years you can kind of figure that out before it's revealed with two vital bits of information one is from the facade of the film their dad has this big scar on his lip looks like he's got like a you know cleft lip or something it's it's he's got something going on and it's it's it's, again, it's cinematic language. Do you cast someone with a scar on their face unless it's relevant to the plot? Yeah. And it is relevant to the plot. He's got a big scar on his lip. Um, and the second thing is, she does the exact same thing at some point. She bites someone's upper lip off while they're, while they're smooching. From those two bits, you can... You know, you can. I'm not saying you will or that you're supposed to. It's one of those second-watch little ah things, but... From those two bits of information, you can totally figure out the end and be like, ah, man's had his lip bitten off as well. Mm. I kind of thought that the parents were going to be cannibals during... I didn't realise it was just a mum, but... Because I was like, well, obviously this is a family thing, so her sister's been having an eat. Because I didn't realise her sister was also on it until she started eating the brains. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. is she just trying True. to kill herself? Because she seems pretty miserable. And I was like, oh, no, she's having a nod. <laughs> I've lost my finger. I've lost the will to live. There was, like, this real... Like, there, there was, like, these really close claustrophobic shots when she was looking her greasiest. And then these really, like, far away lens shots when she was at her most comfortable. You know? Like, mm. when she's in the, the club, it's really tight. But when she gets out of there... And she's walking around in that dress and heels. And she's dragging yeah. her mattress back. She's um, way more comfortable because she's alone. And she's not near people. And the camera's a lot more comfortable with her because of that. Yeah. There's a nice little, little camera work reflection there. But that's about it, really. Yeah. Um, 
I just wanted to say that uh, when I well I, I said at the start of the podcast I got a new job but when I watched this film in prep for this and made all these notes I was uh, a dinner lady and um, outside of the show dinner ladies dinner ladies get a very bad rap in media I don't know if you'd noticed I hadn't noticed till I was a dinner lady but almost all dinner ladies are just kind of horrible in media as is the dinner lady in this film so not only am I uh, uh, basing my campaign on cannibal rights <coughs> dinner lady representation in media well what's what's what about the Simpsons dinner ladies? They were alright, weren't they? <laughs> I don't think so. Lunch Lady Doris is sort of a yeah, it's gruff a joke fella. hag. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't funny. Please stop making fun of my people. Sorry. No, they're not even my people anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, but yeah, the, din- the dinner lady is. What are you, the Moses what? of people of dinner ladies? Yeah, Let well, I could have been. Have free representation. I was, I was so ready to come on this podcast and just be like, "Hey, dinner ladies are people too," and then, and then no, I'm, I'm no longer one of them. But um, <laughs> yeah, the dinner lady in this, there's just a big old meatball in, in her mashed potatoes, and the dinner lady's like, "What? She picked it out or something, didn't she?" Yeah, there's, there's a little just bit of fuck. It's a little bit mean. Having said that, I did absolutely hide meat in the vegetarian children's meal. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're going to be sued. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, superb film. Uh, Mark Como said it was his favourite film of the year, the year it came out, 2017 or whatever. Mm. Fun little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say, goddamn, maybe even a 9 out of 10 for Freddie Nui. Mm. I'll give it a good eight. I thought it was good. It just isn't for me, but I appreciate that it was good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad I was so ready to come on this podcast and not argue with you about how good it was, but, you know, just, just, I was just ready for you to be like, yeah, horrible. I'm not that moody, am I? Uh, yeah. Am I? God, it's a fucking no. <laughs> I'm going to overthink that. Later and cry. Mm, not on the podcast, though, because that doesn't sound like good listening. And tonight we have Lonely Times featuring Megan's <laughs> Tears. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>